Welcome to this episode of Men of Magic, recorded at GP Indy with Mary Jacobson. This is a short interview with her as she was starting round four of the tournament. Get her thoughts on a whole lot of issues in a very short time. You are a sometimes judge. Yes. And now more devoted to being a full-time player. Yes. Why the switch from judging to play? Um, with the Planeswalker point system, when they first implemented it, I knew that there was no way I was going to qualify for the Pro Tour via points if I was judging, so I pretty much quit judging entirely. Um, I also just didn't have the time for the, the larger events to uh, go to all of them, and that was the only way I was going to be able to judge and play at the same time was to attend all the events at once. Um, now, though, I am attending all the events, but I've gotten so, like, into playing from that one Planes Orca Point season that I've kind of just stopped judging for now. How was the transition as far as the players went from you being known as a judge to you being now a player? Um, the judges still remember I'm a judge, but most players don't know these days. So um, when I first got started playing, a lot of um, people... Like in the bigger tournaments, a lot of people noticed that I was a judge before. They're like, weren't you wearing a judge shirt at the Grand Prix? And I was like, yeah, but I play too. And they're like, oh, this is going to be an easy game, you know? Well, I'll ask about that. Do you think that players misjudge your ability because you're a female? Yes. Not all players, though. Is that not the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard? Um, or one of the? I don't think it's quite as ridiculous as people think it is at first, just because of the fact that a lot of female Magic players, like a much higher ratio of female Magic players to male Magic players are playing because they're dating someone that plays the game and they don't care as much. So on average, you like, like will face more disinterested female players than disinterested male players. Now, in terms of skill, I think that you know men and women are pretty much equal, you know, but... In terms of interest in the game, a lot of the female Magic players I've met over the course of time, like ratio-wise, a lot of them completely indifferent towards the game and are only playing because of a boyfriend. This is changing a lot, though. A lot more of them are getting into it for themselves. Some are starting because of boyfriends and continuing to playing long, continuing to play long after the relationship ends. A lot of um, girls are just playing because they think the game seems cool or getting into the game because of other female friends and things like that, maybe a brother or something like that. But still, it's not uncommon when I sit across from a female player, especially in an early round of a tournament, that she's there because she wants to keep an eye on her boyfriend or because she wants to be part of his hobby. What about the success that you and Jackie Lee have been having lately? Is that hopefully opening more bridges to more competitive players like the two of you to get in? Yes, definitely. Uh, since uh, my top eight, um, I've been contacted by a large number of female Magic players that have said things like they watched me in the top eight, didn't realize that, like, girls could do that, and now they actually want to start playing seriously. A lot of them get very discouraged when they go to tournaments early on and people are mean to them and, you know, say all these, like, things like you don't know how to play your girl or where's your boyfriend and stuff like that. It's wrong to assume that somebody's playing just because she has a boyfriend that plays, even if that is the case. You shouldn't make that assumption about somebody. One of the things that, that I've seen from... There's like almost like a change in the attitude with the professionals, especially. Yeah. They're very accepting. They don't. It doesn't matter what you are, as long as you're good. Yeah. Um, I hang out with a lot of different people in the community. Um, many of the pro players have been very kind to me. Um, helped me out with cards. Um, helped me out with, um, you know, getting to tournaments and things like that too. Um, last tournament, um, 
Melissa DeTora and James helped me get a bunch of cards for my deck that I didn't have, and that wouldn't have happened even just a month or so prior before I became friends with them. Um, it would have been a lot harder for me to get those cards, but they, they made sure I had all the cards by the time, you know, like my first buy was over and I was ready to go and play the tournament, you know. Speaking of Melissa, you guys all have in general been really going everywhere as yes. much as you can. How hard is that on you just from a mental grind standpoint? Um, for me, it's not the mental aspect that's the problem. It's the physical aspect. I've been getting sick way more frequently than usual. And, uh... Just getting tired. Kibler syndrome. Yes. Because he seems to show up and is sick. Yeah. 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 Getting sick is one of the, the drawbacks of traveling. And if you're like me and you ride mostly in cars and don't fly, you're losing a lot of time just like sitting in the car, just being there, and you you know can't treat yourself when you feel sick. You know you're not eating right. You're not getting enough vitamin C. You're you know probably eating mostly like McDonald's. And even when you do eat it somewhere that isn't McDonald's, it's probably a restaurant. Not not exactly nutritionally balanced food. Being out of a routine. You know not sleeping at the same time every night. Things like that take a huge toll. Uh, people that can afford to fly to tournaments can avoid some of that, but then you still have to deal with things like jet lag and the worry about missing flights and getting stuck in airports for multiple hours. So there's really just no way to go to all of the tournaments without, you know, some sort of negative physical effect on you. There's so many different events you've been going to. Is there one you prefer over the rest? Um, I prefer the Eternal formats. Um, I don't play Vintage yet, but I might at some point. There's not really a Vintage Grand Prix, so it's not relevant at the moment. Um, but Modern and Legacy I've been having a lot of fun with. I've had a lot of success in both of those formats. Um, I think that Eternal formats are so like open. You can play whatever you want. Uh, Standard often gets very quickly locked into you know like two or three archetypes that are just better than everything else. And right now Standard's pretty open, but if you look at it, it's really not. Everything's a variant on you know other popular decks. And even though there are like for instance two or three different good green red decks. You know, they all centralize around the same cards and stuff like that. Um, Huntmaster has actually probably been something for the worst for green-red players because if you're playing green-red and you're not playing Huntmaster, you're doing something wrong. Um, it's been that way for a while with, with blue decks and blue cards as well, you know. Um, with Snapcaster, you know, you play blue, you play Snapcaster. Um, but it's starting it's starting to break up a little bit. I think, like, when um, the, the new set, Avacyn Restore, comes out, there should be some more true variation in the format. Is there someone you want to play that you haven't played in a tournament yet? Play against? Yeah. I, I, I'm very disappointed. I heard uh, Pat Cox is not here. I, I wanted to try a zoom mirror against Pat Cox. Just just once. Well, isn't he's considered the master of zoo? Yes. Yes. So, you, so you're playing zoo. Mm-hmm. Why is zoo well positioned against us? Um, I like Zoo against Maverick um, because the one-drop builds of Zoo are very fast. Um, they can typically kill Maverick before it becomes a problem. Um, neither Relic Quarry costs three mana, four if your Green Sun's anything for it. And with a lot of Zoo decks, you'll be dead before that happens. Or you'll be forced to use that crucial turn three where you actually have the mana for neither Relic Quarry, but instead you're like removing their charm or going for something like that. So I think that Zoo actually has a favorable matchup against uh, Maverick, but it really depends on the build. The one-drop heavy builds are much stronger against Maverick because of their speed. The more mid-range builds, too slow. They they can't beat it, and Maverick has a better endgame. They've knighted the Reliquary, and they can fetch it with Green Sun Zenith, so they have way more copies of it, even if you're running it. Um, I think against... Let's see. What else did you mention? The rug deck? 
Um, I think Zoo has just always been pretty favorable against the Rug decks right now. I've, I've played against it a lot on the Star City circuit, both the Delver version and the non-Delver versions. Um, the Delver version's a joke. Um, if they're not running counterbalance on the sideboard, the Zoo players should almost never lose. If they are running counterbalance on the sideboard, it can obviously be a problem. Counterbalance is a very good card against Zoo. It's funny, too, because I heard they were originally putting uh, counterbalance on the sideboard for the Rug Mirror. It's actually probably more effective against Zoo. Yeah. What are your expectations for this year now that you've done top eights? Um, I'm hoping that I can make a couple more day twos, get a couple more buddy finishes. I don't expect another top eight, but it would be sweet. That's interesting because after having success like that and getting to a top eight, I don't care if it's 1,000 people or 4,000 people. It's still very difficult to do. Success usually breeds success, like Owen. Owen's like yeah. 11 GP top eights or whatever. Yeah. This is usually it's a snowball effect. Usually. Let's say it does start snowballing. When will it come to a point where people have extremely high expectations for you? I'm not sure. I think right now my expectations are already a little bit higher than they should be from other people. Not for myself, but I get a lot of people that think I've top aided a lot more than I already have. Um, because of the fact that I'm female, I stand out a little bit. And so, like, I've been standing with friends that have top aided within a month of myself, and people come up to me and congratulate me on my top eight and not congratulate my friends because they don't realize my friends have top aided. Um, I think that that's kind of a bad thing sometimes. It's a lot of pressure. Like, I feel really bad for Jackie now that she's had such a tear. Like, the last two tournaments she's done so well, and if she doesn't do well today, like, people are just going to be like, come on, Jackie, what happened? And she's just going to be like, okay, guys, you know, I know I'm good, but you can't expect everyone to... If semi-finals final matchup between Jackie and Melissa, mm-hmm. how much fun would that be for you? That'd be pretty sweet, yeah. I think, I think they're... They're both very good players. Um, I think that people need to remember that people like Jackie, Melissa, and I are not quite at the level that they might think we are. Like, we're good. We can top eight Grand Prix. That's great. But, like, neither Jackie nor Melissa has had a very, like, huge Pro Tour showing or anything like that. Like, I think Carrie had better Pro Tour finishes than them. Um... And we're working on it. You know, we're getting better. We're still progressing. So even if we don't top eight, you know, every freaking week, like PV does when he actually plays, you know, like maybe a year from now, you know, like. He uh, messaged today saying he wished he was at Indy. Have you noticed, have the pros noticed that he's not been here? I've noticed that he's not been here. I'm very upset by that. PV is a very well-liked person in the community. And... I think a lot of the pros have noticed he's not here, and definitely a lot of his friends. We all miss him very much and want him to come back to the United States. Are you being approached yet by larger card companies within our community to potentially be full-time writer slash videos slash the way to make money at this? There have been offers. Um, I wrote a tournament report for Star City. There mm-hmm. might be more happening with them in the future. I'm not sure yet. Good. Um, I'm going to try writing more stuff. It seems that people enjoy reading what I write, so I'll probably keep writing. And sooner or later, I hope to be writing regularly for one one or one site or another. 
Yeah, Kerry writes some really good stuff for Channel Fireball, and it's good because the more writers you get, the better off you are because it's a virgins of ideas. Who is your test group? Just me. I don't have a specific group that I build decks with or test with or anything. I actually test very little because of all the traveling. Most of my testing takes place at tournaments with whatever friends happen to be there at the time. Do you feel that's a slight disadvantage? It can be. It uh, depends on the format. I find that with um, Limited, it's easy to test solo because you have things like Moto. And with formats like Legacy, sometimes having a local testing group can actually be incredibly detrimental because people get locked into whatever deck they happen to own. Um, but with Standard, definitely having a local testing group is a huge, huge thing. I, I do considerably worse in Standard compared to the other formats because of the fact that I don't test a lot and I don't have a strong local community for Standard. Now I live near Troll and Toad, but I'm really not in town very often. So. Not like you're going to FNMs on Friday night. Yeah. You have yeah. a little something better to do. Yeah, I, I haven't been to FNMs in <laughs> two months now, three months. Well, I, I would be amiss if I didn't talk about our little Twitter incident that happened. The, the Massioli thing? The Massioli thing. I, I, I couldn't resist asking you this. Explain to the people the story behind it, because a lot of people are asking what the deal was behind it. All right. Not long after Grand Prix Baltimore, uh, Chris decided it would be a great idea to make a bet with me um, that he would have more Twitter followers than I did by the end of Grand Prix Nashville. I took a look at our followers and saw that he was about 300 ahead of me. And I was like, okay, I'll play this game. You know, I, th- I think I could get 300 followers in the next, you know, two and a half weeks or whatever it was. And so we uh, started, you know, just not not really campaigning, but you know, trying trying to get a couple of followers here and there. Uh, and one day we're on Skype with uh, Tom Martell, and it comes out that that Chris, in fact, is still ahead of me in this bet. And Tom's like, "What bet?" And uh, we explain it to him, and he's like, okay, on it. And the next day I had, like, 500 more followers than I did the day before, so I was about 200 ahead of Chris. Well, speaking of your followers, you should give them your Twitter account so they can follow you. Uh, my, my Twitter is uh, Makeupsin. Uh, that's uh, M-A-C-O-B-S-O-N. Like my last name with the M for my first name, yeah. just in case nobody got that right there. Um, but, yeah, after um, the bet... Uh, seemed to be going in my favor. For some reason, Chris decided to add more to the bet, and slaps were added. If the winner defeats the loser by more than 150 followers, they get three slaps. We need to make sure that it's over 150 followers. Now the only thing is, who is going to provide the camera? Or the Mm. video? Yeah, there's definitely going to be a video. We haven't decided who's recording it yet, though. Okay. Pretty sure Tom wants to. Oh, yeah. But Tom gets one of the slaps, too. Because we decided that the slaps are transferable. And because of Tom's help, I feel it would be... Yeah, yeah. Isn't this great? Oh. Yeah, poor Chris. Yes. I I sense a lot of pain. Yeah. And a very bad, bad situation. I'll be slapping him at least once, though, personally. At least. <laughs> Lighting him up. Wait. What should they know more about you? Um, they should know that I play Zoo in Legacy and that I play Affinity in Modern. And if they're going to ask me what I'm playing in that format, that's the answer to that question. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time today. You're getting ready to go to round four. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Meta Magic with Mary Jacobson. You can reach the show at themetamagic at gmail.com where we will take suggestions of who you want on next 
and all questions. You can also reach me on my personal account under The Beanie, T-H-E-B-E-M-E, or The Men of Magic. And again, thank you for listening.